everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Christine Johnson, registrar and affiliate professor at Asbury Seminary. In this episode, we talk about how to build a theology of death, the relationship between death and holiness, and how to navigate our own mortality as a living people who can live without fear because we are a people of hope. Let's listen. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today, talking about your study of um, death and holiness and the theology of John Wesley and how we can just develop a, a theology of death as living people for it not to be something to fear. Yeah. So. I'm looking forward to today, but I have to comment on your boots first. I always love your shoes. Thank you. (laughs) Shoes are very important. They are, and it's a great boot day. Yes, it is. It's very rainy. It is. It is, yeah. So thank you so much for coming by. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about our conversation, too. A lot of times people don't want to talk about the topic of death, and so I always joke that I have to have a captive audience in order to get anyone to actually listen. Um, But I have been surprised at how many people have been interested in my work in the area and that also have either had a loved one die and suddenly this area of death becomes much more um, interesting um, and a topic of conversation. Yeah, for sure. That's kind of um, where I am right now. it hasn't been something that I wanted to talk about because it was hard. But then yeah. as you get older, family members pass away and being like, for me, I cry when I start thinking yeah. about it or talking about death and wanting to learn ways to, be, I mean, I might still cry, but to have peace in my heart about That's it right. and not be something to fear. Because I'm kind of yeah. like, this is this is something I don't want to talk about because I don't want it to ever happen you know but it's part of living that's right it's an inevitable part of life right is that we are all going to die because we're mortal creatures yeah but somehow we have made the topic of death taboo in our culture yeah so then it becomes very difficult when you either lose a loved one or you are ill yourself and Mm -hmm. are facing the prospect of your own death yeah yeah so how did you first become interested in this subject? Well, tell me what your subject is officially for sure. Sure, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Well, my dissertation was uh, Holiness and Death in the Theology of John Wesley. And um, if you have read any of Wesley's works, you'll notice that the theme of death is incredibly prevalent throughout his writings. Um, He struggled with the fear of death um, in some of his younger years, um, and when he was first starting in ministry, in fact, one of the more um, famous uh, instances where Wesley struggled with this whole area of death was his encounter with the Moravians on the boat ride over to Georgia. Okay. And they encountered this incredibly strong storm. And Wesley himself was very fearful about the prospect of dying. And, you know, people were screaming and crying and just in utter terror over the thought that they might perish. And he noticed the Moravians, and he said even even their women and children were just calmly singing praises to God, and he asked them, are you not afraid? 
and mm-hmm. they their response was no we're, we're not afraid to die and that wow. made such a strong impression on Wesley because that fear of death for him made him recognize that he was actually lacking something in his faith and in his relationship with God and then he, yeah, I know it's really powerful. Yeah. Um, and then you know, as he develops this theology of Christian perfection, or what you might call entire sanctification, he uses death as a metaphor for that work of God in the soul. And so I really became interested in how yes. he is linking holiness with this kind of theology of death and dying. Wow. So he was using death as a metaphor for. The final sanctification process? Is that? Yes, for that work of Christian perfection or entire sanctification. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So how did you become interested in that? Yeah, well, um, it my topic actually came out of a conversation with my dissertation supervisor, Dr. Ken Collins. Okay. Um, we had been talking about entire sanctification and just how Wesley you know, is describing this work of God in the soul, that it is, you know, the death of the sin nature and how oftentimes it looks like the death of us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dr. Collins had mentioned that there were these accounts that Wesley had published in his Arminian magazine uh, of deathbed scenes or deathbed experiences of those early Methodists. And as I began to do research, um, I found out that there are over 280 deathbed accounts that Wesley published in his Arminian magazine that just described what it was to die, like these Methodist, early Methodist experiences of dying. And they are such powerful testimonies that I was captivated and I couldn't turn away. Wow. However, uh, there was also a bit of a personal aspect to this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 17, my grandma um, died in our home. She had oh. terminal cancer. I'm and, sorry. Um, you know, it was a difficult experience, but also a beautiful one. Um, my grandma was a believer, and she died a very... Um, a, a very beautiful death. I, I know it sounds strange no, to call death I know beautiful, what you mean, yeah. um, but she died at peace and in love with the Lord and just had such a strong testimony that when I came to Wesley's theology, it finally gave me a framework for what I had uh, experienced with my grandma's passing. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, I, I just, it it was such a powerful um, description of what can happen in the Christian life that I immediately kind of focused in on this area of death and dying, and wow. I'm still, I still love to talk about it. Right? Yeah. As I was, as you think about it, it seems like a morbid subject, like we were yeah. saying, like a taboo subject, but it's one that's also full of hope too. That's right. right. Yeah. So could you? Tell us like one of those deathbed stories that you read about that kind of sparked your interest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's hard to choose just one. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm already thinking about several. Um, it can be more than one. It's up to you. No, what's really fascinating to me about the way that the early Methodists died is that they really did die well. So Charles Wesley had a doctor that wrote a letter to him. And in that letter, he said, um, most people that I encounter die, almost almost die out of this fear of death. Like, they're not dying well. Mm-hmm. But your people, they're, they're not afraid to die. Your people die well. And so that 
um, that description, your people die well, really does uh, describe the, these deathbed scenes such that, um, you know, Wesley didn't try to clean them up because death can be kind of messy and be, ugly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yet he would describe the way that the grace and love and peace of God just reigned over uh, the, mm. their lives in that scene, um, such that you have these incredibly powerful testimonies. Um, I think of a woman named Elizabeth Fluke, that she <laughs> you know, was describing how um, on her deathbed, how she felt like she was just soaring over death. And so she, in her final moments, reached out her arms um, and, and you know, proclaimed wings, wings, like she felt like she had these wings of that she was just triumphing over death. Wow. Um, and then there was a um, an elderly man named Jonathan who would just continue to raise his hand, and they kept saying, "Jonathan, why why do you keep raising your hand?" And he said, "It's my sign. It's my sign that I'm triumphing over death, sin, and the devil." That's and beautiful. you know, in his final moments, he just flung his hand up over his head, and you know, died at peace mm-hmm. with with those around him and with the Lord. And I mean, those are the 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 scenes that it just makes me so excited to be able to share how we can die as believers. It doesn't have to be this terrifying event. Yeah. So you talked about dying well. What does it mean to die well? Because I think, as I think about it, I think part of it, you have to live well to die well. So it's a both and. So tell us a little bit more about what it means to die well. Yeah. Well, you hit the nail on the head with the living well, right? Um, I Wesley described death in three different ways. Of course, death, he says, is a result of sin. Um, yes. And he talks about death as spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death. Okay. So um, when he talks about spiritual death, he recognizes that as a result of sin, we are separated from a holy God. And um, that separation, Wesley felt like, was the worst type of death of all. Um, Physical death, of course, is a result of humanity's sin. Right. Um, And eternal death, he would describe as that final judgment, that, that final eternal separation from God. So when Wesley talks about redemption, redemption is really overcoming death in all of its forms, spiritual, physical, and eternal. Um, Therefore, Christ's death and resurrection, um, well, in his atoning work on the cross, really is the story of us overcoming death, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's spiritual, physical, or eternal. And part of that is, um, you know, living or participating in the life of God. And to, to live well, Wesley would say, would be um, that we live the life of God, that mm. we are living holy and pure lives. Um, and if we live well, we'll die well. Um, in fact, that's one of Wesley's kind of key phrases, that they died as they lived, meaning that they oh, yes. died um, holy deaths just as they died holy lives. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, because I've known people who, like you were describing, they just seem so at peace with what is about to happen. And at times I think they seem to know that it's going to be today. 
or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and the people that I've known that that has happened to have just been people that I think of as saints. And But I think watching them, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like that it's dying. It just seems like it's going on living. And yeah. I think that's that's really beautiful. Um, so how do – they're not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we see death as – something not to be afraid of. I think I think maybe one of the things um, that maybe would be helpful to talk about is developing a theology of death. Is that what that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, back to Wesley's doctrine of holiness, okay. right? Or yeah. this doctrine of Christian perfection. Well, what does First John tell us? That perfect love cast out all fear. Mm-hmm. And Wesley believed that not only could Christians become completely holy in this life, now he never claimed a sinless perfection, and that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, but that's an important thing to note, though. Right, it is important, but that um, we could become perfected in love. And Wesley believed that, uh, that not only could Christians become perfected in love, that we also will become perfected in love. And oftentimes he said this kind of uh, uh, holiness looks like death to the self, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, if God's love is all in all, then where am I? You know, where's Chris Johnson in that? Or where is Heidi in that? Um, And so that's why he's kind of using this metaphor of death Mm -hmm. when he talks about Christian perfection or being perfected in love. Well, we know that's not true, that the more holy we become, the more Christ-like we become, the more we become the people that God created us to be, right? Um, But in our very warped perspective, it oftentimes looks like death. But in any it, case, and it's an yeah. ending, you know. Yeah, yeah it, it looks like, like this ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for those um, who were approaching death, Wesley believed that oftentimes it was on the deathbed itself that people would become perfected in love, and those who have perfect love reigning in their hearts don't fear death yeah. because love has pushed out fear and sin. Yeah, but but it sounds like it's one of those things that you have to get to that moment maybe before it happens like that's right yeah yes like i can look at it in the future and it seems like a a terrible thing because fortunately i'm not there yet you know but it's encouraging to know that 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 work happens that's right and to have seen it happen for other people that's right so wesley actually um dealt with this very topic and he um encouraged people because he had a young woman who wrote to him who said Wesley, I'm I'm not quite there yet. Like I look at death and I still have some some fear, some lingering fear. Yeah. And Wesley was incredibly encouraging to her. He said, "Use the grace God has given you today. Mm. As you're not yet called to die, you have grace for living. Um, but use the grace God has given you today, and He will give you the grace that you need for tomorrow." So good. It's so beautiful. Yes. But part of that using the grace that we have today means that we are actually to use this lifetime to prepare to die. Well, what does that mean? It means what does that mean? Yeah. It means that we should live the dying life. Much like Paul called uh, believers to in the New Testament that we are to die to self, we're to die to sin. And that is a daily 
activity that we do. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, and so we um, uh, are, are called to live the dying life so that when it comes time for us to die, whenever that may be, um, that we have already done the work of the deathbed. We don't have to do that work when we get, we don't have to wait uh, yeah. to, to do that work when we become ill. In fact, Wesley would say it's incredibly unwise to wait until we um, are sick to do this work, that it should be uh, the life, that we should live the dying life every day. Yeah. Wow, that is so good. Yeah. So yeah. good. So we were talking about um, developing a theology of death too. Mm-hmm. Are there other ways that we can do that? Because I want to, I guess, I don't know if this is realistic, but I'm looking for like, here's three things that you need to do or think about to, you know, develop a good theology of death. But I don't even know if that is practical because some things, you know, it's not like 10 easy steps and there you go. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Um, and it's not easy to die to self either, right? No. So, um, yes, I w- I, to be faithful, I do need to say that Wesley is not, uh, Wesley didn't come up with this. He's not alone in okay. this leading the dying life. Um, within the Christian tradition, there has been uh, the Ars Moriende tradition. Well, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> it means the art of dying. And uh, what that is is it's a recognition that just as it takes time and energy and a full commitment to learn the art of anything right Mm -hmm. Uh, to do something well takes time and energy and commitment so to the the art of dying well takes our full commitment yeah it takes a lifetime it takes a lifetime that's right and there has always been this recognition um within the church um Jeremy Taylor, Richard Baxter, others that Wesley read and that influenced him that talked about using our life, using um, all of what we are in the here and now today to prepare for this moment of death. And Mm. once again, I'm going to go back to what does that look like? It looks like leading the dying life. It's uh, practicing um, self-denial. It is... um, it is being in the means of grace. Yes. It is uh, leading the life that um, denies sin. Uh, this is a great phrase, sin, self, and the devil. Right? <laughs> um, and uh, really incul- uh, inculcating those holy virtues within the soul. Well, of course, we can't do that alone. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, so that takes the grace of God, the work of the Spirit in our life, and being in Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love thinking about it that way because it's more about living. Yeah. Um, to die well means to live well, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there is a phrase uh, one scholar uses that the early Methodists, um, they were stealing a march on death. You know? The, I love that. Yeah. 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 Um. So how do we put that theology into practice as living people, as people around us die, and that we start facing our own mortality? Right. Um, well, I think this is an important, what we're doing today is an important step toward that, yeah, that we sure. actually have to start talking about our own mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is hard. It is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I the as I said, you know, when we first started talking, this whole 
whole subject of death is taboo in our culture. Um, we isolate the dying. We isolate the sick. Um, they are not um, a part of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it becomes really difficult to have r- honest and open conversations about death and dying. Yeah. Um, and we um, have not developed um, good theology around death and dying um, because we're not willing to talk about it. Right. It's, I think it's as if we keep them away that it won't happen to us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but of course, we know that's not the case. And so I think having open conversation is a good place to start. Um, we also know that it's really difficult to um, live a life of self-denial and to um, oftentimes die to ourselves, um, And that's why Wesley called for Christian community, right? Yeah. That we cannot mm-hmm. do this life alone. He mm-hmm. said there's no such thing as a solitary Christian. And that means opening ourselves up to being accountable and to being in Christian community. Mm-hmm. What do you mean dying to yourself? Because it's a phrase we use a lot, but I want to make sure we know what it means. Exactly. Um, Well, Wesley will describe this in a number of different ways, um, but probably one of his um, key sermons on this is his sermon on self-denial. And he talks about um, bearing crosses um, and taking up crosses. And he makes a difference between bearing crosses and taking up a cross. Um, Bearing a cross are those circumstances that are out of our control. Like, there are, we all have crosses to bear, right? For sure. Um, we don't get a choice in the matter. But Wesley said, as we follow Christ, there will be a cross in the path that we will either have to choose to take this up and deny what our will is, what our self is, and to take up this cross and to continue to follow in the path of Jesus Christ. Um, And what that looks like can often be times different. But Wesley will even push beyond that. And he will say um, that it is not just um, um, like giving up things or, um, you know, oftentimes we think of um, taking up a cross as very negative. Right, yeah. Um, But Wesley will look at this in a very um, positive sense as well. Um, that it's even the good things that we do, those things that we I, that we kind of identify as parts of ourselves that are so good and that we've invested ourselves in, that even those things we need to be willing to surrender to God. Like, and to, like what kind of like good things? Like our ministries and those things that we've invested ourselves in, our work, you know, like our... Yeah, um, for that, sure. That those two need to be surrendered to God. And Wesley said, don't look at this in a negative way, but look at this as opportunities for us to become more and more Christ-like and mm-hmm. more and more alive in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think about time when I think about death and thinking about eternity and kind of no time. And that's hard for me to wrap my mind yeah. around and like how we fit in the time spectrum because when death happens to us or to somebody we love it time seems to stop but at the same time it doesn't stop for everybody else that's right yeah and so like how what does that mean and how do we deal with that yeah um i think it presents us with a really unique opportunity um in those moments because we 
we live in the here and now, right? Yes. And we are so focused on the everyday world. Um, and in those moments, we get a little glimpse of what it means to be an eternal creature. Mm. And that we actually are participants in something much larger, much greater than than ourselves. And That's that so we participate in the very life of God and in eternity. And I think those give us those, you know, those moments that are often very painful, right? When you lose a loved mm-hmm. one, and it does, it feels like time has stopped for mm-hmm. us um, in some sense. But it's also an opportunity to recognize that we um, participate in eternity and that it helps us to remember that we need to um, not get so wrapped up in the temporal, um, but that we uh, there's something beyond um, we, yeah. the life of eternity. Yeah, yeah. How, how can we respond when a loved one passes away? With our good theology of death and like thinking about that, how can we respond? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, um, first of all, I would say... Um, how the Methodists responded in Wesley's time yeah. is a beautiful picture. Um, those, uh, you, I'm sure you know about Wesley's um, societies and classes and bands. No, a little uh, bit, a yeah. A little bit, yeah. okay. Um, well, Wesley um, called people to be um, in community with one another, and he would... Um, put them in in classes or in bands where they would um, encourage one another and um, they would call each other to account. They had a list of questions that they would ask one another um, to encourage and to uh, uh, help uh, prompt one another on in the faith. Okay. And um, as a person in one of these classes or bands would come to a point in time where they were either ill or dying. Um, Naturally. Yes, exactly. Um, When they were too ill to go to the class meeting, the class meeting would come to them. And they would be surrounded with this community of love and support. And they would surround the deathbed and ask them some of the same questions that they asked them while they were in full health. Um, How is it with your soul? Um, Are you, one of the questions that they would ask is, are you happy? Um, Because Wesley realized that the more holy you are, um, the more happy or um, joyful um, that you were. And so these are the types of questions that are being asked. um, And they would covet the prayers of the dying Mm. person. um, And they would ask for their encouragement. So the, the loved one that was actually dying was still a part of the community and they were recognized as a valuable part of the community of faith. Um, And that is something that I think we've lost today. So, you know, um, as we um, see the approach of death, um, either for ourselves or for our loved ones, I think it's really important to still incorporate that person as a valuable member of our community of faith. Um, and then, you know, to um, be present with them. Um, we, we tend not to be, want to be around people who are dying because it's very uncomfortable. Yes. Um, but yet it can we be... We don't know what to say. Yes, yes. And, but it can be so beautiful. Um, I, uh, but I don't think we see that in our culture today because we're not around people who are dying anymore. No, no yeah. we're not. Yeah, yeah. 
how can we I love that I love that so much um that's very beautiful like the community the communion of the saints Mm because you're on the edge of a saint who has gone on and being surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses and I think that's beautiful Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting, um, the dying, the person in the dying role, so to speak, um, became the most important member of that community because the early Methodists believed that the veil between heaven and earth was very thin in those moments and that that person was closest to God. They were getting ready to step over into eternity. And so they really did um, take on this role where they um, were the most important person in the room, where they were, their words and their prayers were coveted and people just wanted to be close to them in that yeah. moment. So. As we think about this, sometimes we have unexpected passings mm-hmm. of loved ones. Um, how does a theology of death help to prepare us even in those unexpected times where it could seem like there is no hope? Right. Um, well, uh, we we are not uh, people without hope, right? We're Aren't we told, glad? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Amen. We're told that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Um, and Wesley was asked actually very similar questions. Um, a sudden passing was considered um, n- not to be a good thing. You know, like we today, we, I encounter lots of people when they want to talk about death, they say, oh, I just want to die in my sleep, or I, d- I don't want to know that it's happening. But yeah, um, I want to be, I think I want to be surprised. Like. Yeah, exactly. That's our approach. Um, but that was actually not considered a good thing in Wesley's time. Really? Yeah. Yes, because not only did it um, rob the person of this uh, ministry to their community, but it robbed the community of their testimony or of their dying um, ministry. Yeah. Um, So, you know, but but of course, sudden deaths happen, right? And so Wesley was kind of asked this question, what, how do we um, respond to this? And Wesley's response, he's, he's always an optimist of what God's grace can do, right? Yeah. And really, there is, there is no surprise to God. Um, and so we live our, we live, uh, our lives in, in, in God's grace and God's grace always goes before us. And it is the recognition that even in these tragic, unexpected deaths, that God's grace was already there. Mm -hmm. Um, and that God's grace will be sufficient in our lives as well. Um, even, even in the very painful and difficult moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How have, how has what you've learned? Because you mentioned your grandmother's passing, mm-hmm. kind of sparking a personal interest in this in this subject. How has what you've learned kind of shaped and formed you as you've learned to think about this differently? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the things that I really love about Wesley's theology is um, what I mentioned earlier, this optimism of what the grace of God can do in our lives. And oftentimes, um, you know, we think, oh, well, I couldn't possibly live a life without fear, or I couldn't possibly, you know, like this this thing that I struggle with in my life, this sin, you know, like we see it as kind of this false humility, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, we're only human. We, you know, this is always going to be a struggle for us. 
Um, but that is not Wesley's approach, not when it comes to death, like yeah. overcoming the fear of death, not when it comes to truly becoming holy people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is that God's grace um, is greater than than all of our sin, right? Yes. And that we can live, we can truly live as people of hope, as holy people, um, and that it is a joyful life. Um, it is a life um, that is filled with the power of the Spirit, mm-hmm. um, and um, that we really can be triumphant. Um, and and um, it's so, uh, it becomes so evident when we look at these deathbed accounts, right? Yes. Um, that was the one thing that was truly fascinating to me is that Wesley has this really great theology, but how is it worked out in the here and now, right? right. How did it make a difference in people's life? Yes. And I think the deathbed is actually where we see this theology played out in its strongest ways. And that is yeah. that um, we um, we don't have to approach death um, with this kind of fear and trepidation um, because we can be assured, we can have full assurance that we are the children of God, that our sins have been forgiven, and that we are um, living in the love and the purity and the holiness of God um, so that we can, you know, like Charles Wesley's hymn, we can boldly approach the throne of grace because of what God has done in our lives. And that to me is just um, the most beautiful message. I want to live as a person of hope, but I'm not quite sure how to do that. So how can I start doing that? Because I believe everything you just said, and I'm sure there may be people who are going to be listening to this who are like, yeah, I know that, but I don't know it in my heart. I mean, I do know it in my heart, but I still have this sense of fear and anxiety. So how can, how can we become people of hope? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's an excellent question. Um, and one that Wesley, of course, would deal with in his own time. And I'm going to go back to that phrase, live in the grace that you've been given today. That's right? beautiful, yeah. Um, and so what does it mean um, to live in grace? Well, Wesley's going to say to abide in the marks of the new birth, which are faith, hope, and love, um, to abide in the means of grace. Um, we, um, we have, God has given us so many ways, uh, pathways to his grace, right? Um, like being in Christian community, like being in a class or a band, like abiding in scripture, whether that's through our own personal reading or placing ourselves under the preached word. It is practicing the holy disciplines of prayer, of uh, you know, of being in Christian community, of fasting, of self-denial, all of those things that are these means of grace to mm-hmm. us that have to be done daily, right? Yes. Um, and it's not, um, oftentimes, uh, you know, um, people would criticize Wesley by saying, oh, you're just telling people to work for their salvation. Right, yes. I'm um, glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Wesley's saying, no, these are avenues or pathways which God has already given us in order to receive his grace. Like we oftentimes want to um, say, oh, well, I'm just going to sit back and, uh, you know, let God, you know, 
kind of miraculously zap us, you know? Right. That doesn't work for any relationship that you no, have with another person. Exactly, exactly. And and really what it is is it's placing ourselves um, in in the avenues uh, of grace by practicing the the holy these holy disciplines. Um so I, if I had any advice, um, yeah. it would be to, you know, remain in the means that of grace that God has provided us. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about today? Um, Yeah, Uh, I would just like to say that I would really encourage these continued conversations because there are so many ramifications to us not talking about this topic of death. Um, Even though it... um, it's difficult at times, and we're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. Afraid we're going to cry. Yes, afraid <laughs> we'll, we'll cry or, you know, all of those things. Um, it, I, it has so many ramifications because, first of all, I think it's a tragedy that we are leaving people alone in these very difficult moments of their lives, the, yes. their final moments of life, when we set on top of such a rich heritage of, you know, that we are people that are known to die well. Yes. And um, we have not put forth a pattern for people to follow, which is um, one of the beautiful things that we find in these deathbed accounts is that people um, were familiar with death and they knew what it would look like when it was their turn. And they knew that the grace of God had been there for others and that God's grace would be there for them. Yeah. So, um, but um, that's for the dying person. But it also has ramifications for those of us who are left behind, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We have not grieved well, and we don't know how to help people in grieving because we can't talk about death, right? Right. And so um, it has left people incredibly isolated. And I just think that is a real tragedy when we have been given um, such a great gift of hope and peace and grace and and could really help others in this difficult time. So if there's anything else I'd want to talk about, it's that we need to start talking about death more. Um, I'm like, I would just challenge, like, when was the last time we heard a sermon about death? I don't know that I've ever heard one, or if I did, I blocked it out because I didn't want to face that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, you know, that was one of the strengths of this kind of Ars Moriande tradition that Wesley was a part of, is that we don't leave death until we're facing end-of-life issues, but that we incorporate it every day in our spiritual lives, right? Yes. Um, But that we also are very open and honest about our own mortality and can use that um, to help others. Mm -hmm. I like what you said just a minute ago about um, we leave people alone when they're dying, but then we also don't grieve well. I want to talk about that for a minute too. How can we grieve well and I guess grieve with hope? Because it doesn't negate the fact that you've lost something or someone. That's right. That's right. Um, Because Wesley, even though Wesley recognizes that, you know, death has already been conquered through Christ, you know, through the death and resurrection of Christ, it's still that last enemy to be conquered Mm -hmm. that won't ultimately um, be conquered until the return of Christ. Um, And so we have this kind of... um, uh, odd relationship with death, right? That it is both that 
that last enemy of God, and yet it is that thing that propels us into the very presence of Christ. Yes. And so it's both seen as enemy and friend for believers, yes. right? Um, and so too this issue of grieving, right? We can rejoice in the fact that our loved one has, you know, gone to be with God. On the other hand, there's this very real separation. We yeah. miss them. We grieve them. You know, sometimes every day. Yes. Um, and and this grief that we have, um, it's it's it is real, and it should be acknowledged. Um, mm-hmm. And it should be acknowledged in community. Um, there is this really fascinating journal account where Wesley talks about this woman who had been physically ill. And she'd been to doctor after doctor, and they just could not help her. And Wesley finally sat down with her and began kind of trying to figure out what the issue was. And he recognized that this woman was in deep grief over the Mm. loss of her son. And when uh, she started, you know, Wesley was helping her deal with this grief, the physical kind of manifestations of it she was healed from and there's this we 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 there's a connection between it yes there's a connection between all of this and yet because we are so unwilling to talk about things like death and dying like grieving and we're leaving people in isolation to try and cope with this on their own and we miss real opportunities of ministry Mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure so how did you get to Asbury? Because we're very glad that you did. <laughs> yeah, I came to Asbury as a student. Um, I came in, uh, f- completed my MDiv here. No uh, way. Yes, I did. And I have just never left. <laughs> <laughs> I went on. I, I actually lived and worked here while I was working on my PhD. And then. Um, Where did you do your PhD? You I, did? Yes, through the University of Manchester, um, directly through the relationship with Nazarene Theological College. Okay, cool. Um, and Asbury has a relationship with them. And so. It was a it was a very hard life, but somebody had to leave it. You know, I had to travel back and forth to England. Oh and, yes, you know, so, <laughs> so hard, a, so hard. Yeah, um, but it was really I I really enjoyed my program, and um, clearly I'm still enamored with my topic. I just yes. it's it's been um, just a really beautiful journey, and I'm very grateful. Yeah, yeah. So you were a student, and then you came back as the registrar. I did. Yes. So my primary role here is to serve as registrar, um, but I also uh, do some teaching as well. Yeah. What classes do you teach? Um, so I teach uh, theology of Wesley, of course. Of and, course. <laughs> um, church history, and then I also uh, have uh, team taught uh, UM history and polity. Um, with a with a fellow faculty member. Yeah, you should teach a class on this. <laughs> I would love to. I yeah. absolutely would love to. Yeah. Um, there's just so much to talk about here. So I'm really glad that we got to talk today because I have a fear of my own family members passing, and for me, it's my parents. And thinking about like when I see them. Um, is this the last time? Or like other people, like uncles, aunts too. It's not just my parents, but is this the last time? And trying to savor every moment that we have together. But it's 
because of that fear, it's not out of that joy of like, we get to spend this time together. It's like, oh my goodness, what if this is the last time and I didn't enjoy it to the maximum possibility and this is the last time that we get to see each other, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I can understand that, you know, because I have family members who are also aging um, and, you know, it does become um, an issue where we recognize that our loved ones are not going to be here forever. Um, I know I've had several encounters in my own family. My dad had cancer and now of course he's, you know, he's beyond that. And we are very grateful to God for that um, healing. But um, I think he's had his own recognition of his mortality and will oftentimes speak about, you know, his, you know, that that he's not going to be here forever. Right. And that's really difficult. Right. Yeah. We can we'll get teary about it. And it's really hard. Um, However, um, there's also that um, I recognize um, in some ways that the death of some of the loved ones that I have had like my grandma, um, like my, you know, we have to be real. My parents will pass, they'll Mm -hmm. die. Um, Mm -hmm. um, And I can think about um, that that makes, in some way, it makes heaven just that much more real to me. Mm, Yeah. Almost, um, because I know, of course, we have this beautiful relationship with God, and um, we can be assured of our, um, where our standing with God but in some sense, it almost makes heaven tangible that I know that when I die, um, that I will, I'll see my grandma. Yeah. Um, I'll see my Aunt Kathy, you know, that I, I'll see my friend Tammy, Tammy Bennett, who mm-hmm. passed away. And that it makes heaven real. Like, yeah. that's the reality of it. And in many ways, it loosens kind of those ties that bind us, right, yeah. here to earth. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes heaven that much closer yeah 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 because i think my dad and your dad are similar in some Uh ways um because i know your dad was a firefighter to my dad and they both have had my dad had open heart surgery and i think that kind of started him thinking he's doing fine now as is your dad but just kind of started him and me thinking because until that point in time i had blocked everything out and was like oh yes Everybody I love will be here forever because I'm not going to think about it. Right. You know? Exactly. And so now sometimes my dad will want to talk about it, you know, and be like, hey, I'm not necessarily going to be around forever, you know. And I'm like, daddy, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because we don't. But I think it's really important that we provide the space yeah. for for even our loved ones, the people that we never want to see die because right. they're uh, – I mean, our parents are an everyday part of our lives. Yeah. And it's incredibly difficult to think about um, their not being there. (laughs) But um, on the other hand, um, it's important that we are able to address these because it makes, uh, we, we, it helps us deal with the death right. before it actually happens. Right. And there is part of me that wants to have those conversations too and talking about the pattern of dying well and surrounding the person who is dying to receive their prayers and their blessing and to model how to do it well. That's right. And I think we do need to create this culture again where we pattern for others what it means to die as a believer 
And if we refuse to talk about it or we don't want to talk about it because it's not something that we want to think about, <laughs> right? Um, that we lose those opportunities in those moments where, I, I mean, we lose something very beautiful um, that um, it can it can turn from something that's terrifying and ugly into a thing, a moments of beauty. And yeah. I think that's what I experienced with my grandma's passing was that recognition that, um, this was something so beautiful. Um, her passing from this life into the next, um, that it gives, it, it gives us real hope. Yeah. Cause we see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it becomes a tangible thing for us instead of this thing, theory that we've never experienced. Right. And I can tell it's something that the hope is something that you really believe too, because throughout our entire conversation, it's just been radiating off of you. And I think that's beautiful too. Well, thank you for that, Heidi. I appreciate it. As we wrap up the podcast today, we have a question that we ask everybody on the podcast. So it's called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. And so what is one practice that can be spiritual or otherwise that is helping you thrive in ministry right now? Yeah, um, I love that question, and I think my answer is going to be expected, and that is to abide in the means of grace, mm. um, those means that God has given us. Um, so practicing those holy disciplines, being in a group or a band where we can be accountable to one another and be encouraged by one another, yeah, um, and just uh, really, um, l- you know, living faithfully um, in our day-to-day lives. Yeah. Are you in a band right now? Yeah, I not a formal band, yeah. although I will say um, I have a group of people. Yeah. That I could pick up that I can pick up the phone at any time and you say You have a band. I have a band. Right. The yeah. where I can say I'm struggling, pray for me. Um or this is an area where I need some encouragement. Um and they can do the same for me as well. So in some sense it's not a band that meets every week or yeah. um but it is a band of believers that have surrounded yeah. uh, me um and that I have been able to help in their lives yeah. as well. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So Thank you for the conversation today and just helping us talk about it so that to so that we don't have to be afraid. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank you. Hey y'all, thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Chris Johnson. Grateful for the hope that she radiates about this topic that we often avoid and for the gift that this conversation has been to me personally. I hope that you enjoyed it as well. Subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Asbury Seminary. Have a great day, y'all, and go do something that helps you thrive.